morning at Bible Baptist Church, and we really appreciate the invitation to come and to share with you this morning in uh, Brother Allen's absence. And uh, boy, wasn't that music just a little extra special this morning? I really enjoyed that. I don't know if it's because Miss Lisa's sitting a little bit closer to the front than she normally does. Typically, she's a back row Baptist, but uh, this morning she's come up a little closer, so maybe I could just here a little bit. It's always good here at, at this church, but thank you so much for the invitation to come and to share. I'm excited to be here with you, of course. Uh, today is Veterans Day, and um, we really appreciate all of our veterans. And I'm going to ask if you're a veteran, if you wouldn't mind, do stand, and let's recognize those who are veterans in our service. Well, do you mind just to stand for us, please? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, amen. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And you are a blessing to our lives. And uh, God bless you. You can be seated. And uh, you want to share something, brother? All right. You can sit down now. Or you can stand during the sermon, but you'll be standing there a while. <laughs> All right. Dear brother, my dear brother came in this morning, he had a flag on, I said, uh, brother, that looks good, and I said, uh, it looked a lot better on me, amen, all right, I got to pick on this guy, he's my buddy, uh, we go way back together, but uh, my grandfather was a veteran, he served in World War One, and um, stories of him being uh, missing in action there, and my dad was a veteran, he served in Korea, and um on Veterans Day, my dad always expected a phone call, um, and he liked to go out to eat on Veterans Day. There was a Golden Corral. Y'all remember that in Somerset? Golden Corral in Somerset. And uh, he liked to go there because veterans eat free on uh, Veterans Day. And uh, we always joked about it. After dad passed away, the uh, Golden Corral <laughs> shut down. So we always kidded and said dad kept that place uh, going, but thank God for you, veterans. We're uh, excited to be here to honor you this morning. I'm going to be preaching from John 21 and verse number one. We're going to uh, begin reading in the Word of God, John chapter 21, beginning in verse number uh, one, and uh, we're going to read several verses of Scripture here together this morning. And so, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, the Bible says, "After these things, Jesus showed Himself." Again, to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cain and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now... They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, 
he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and cast, did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were, two hundred cubits dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereupon. And bread, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share on this special day with this wonderful church. Father, I thank you for the testimony of Bible Baptist Church. In so many ways, they are a model to other churches in this county and region. And God, you're doing a great work here. And we just pray for your continued faithfulness of your people, for your continued blessing on this church. Help us, Lord, and help this church, help Help us as your people to raise up the next generation, disciple them, that they may hear and know the gospel and follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for America. So many sacrifices have been made for this nation in behalf of this nation, and none greater than the sacrifice that you paid on the, on the cross 2,000 years ago. But yet, Lord, today we know There's a desperate need for revival, spiritual awakening. We ask you to send revival, for it's in the name of Jesus.
that we pray and ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So as we think through these verses of Scripture this morning, John chapter 21, we realize that Jesus is um, doing two things. Number one, he's restoring his disciples. He's restoring the apostle Peter, and he's restoring his disciples. And number two, he's reaffirming their mission or their assignment. And he's challenging them to join him in this mission. Now, this is the third time in the Gospel of John that the Bible records what we consider a post Resurrection appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ before he ascended back to heaven. Jesus made uh, numerous appearances, more than three, but John specifically records three. This is the third and final record of John's uh, account of Jesus' appearances. We know there were occasions in the other um, gospels and epistles that mention that Jesus at times appeared to more than 500 people, and so there were different uh, times that Jesus appeared. But this is the third uh, of those that John records, and uh, it's very specific here because I think Jesus is appearing here specifically to these seven disciples in order to uh, reclaim them, in order uh, to challenge them to join him in the mission. Because sometimes we just we get off track. We Family and I, back in October, went to Dollywood. And uh, one of our favorite things to do there is ride the train. But the day before, we learned that the train was not operational because apparently it had gotten off track. And um, so uh, hopefully they got that thing fixed. But, uh, you know, sometimes we're like that. We jump the tracks or we get off track. We get derailed uh, spiritually in uh, our fellowship with Christ, even as believers. And sometimes even churches can be derailed or can uh, be off track. And so when you're off track, you don't, you don't get anywhere. And that's where the disciples were. They come to this place. They were discouraged. They were beat down. They'd been through some things. Peter had failed Christ. He had denied the Lord three times. And uh, after making a, a you know, very big promise to the Lord that he would follow the Lord even if it meant death, he would... He would follow the Lord if everybody else forsook the Lord. Peter said, Lord, if all the other disciples walk away, if I'm the last man standing, I'm going to follow you even if it requires my life. But yet, shortly after that, Peter denied the Lord. And so uh, he was pretty beat down, and the other disciples were beat down. And so um, uh, Jesus comes to them, I believe, to reaffirm them in their mission, and to restore Peter and the other disciples in their fellowship and walk with Christ. And I think in doing so, there are really three things that this text calls our attention to. Number one, it shows us there was a big catch, a big catch, a big catch of fish. Uh, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, you know that before Peter was a, a disciple, an apostle, that Jesus found him. And along with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were career fishermen. They didn't fish for sport. Uh, They fished for a living. This is how they made their living. They were fishermen. And Jesus uh, called these men to be his followers uh, who were career fishermen. And so when Peter says, I'm going fishing, he didn't mean I'm going to casually take a fishing trip. He meant 
Man, I'm returning to the career of fishing. I'm going back to what I know, what's familiar. Uh, But then the other disciples say, we're coming with you. Now, folks, we need to be cautious here because when we derail, when we get off track, uh, be certain that there are other people who will also be willing to go with us. When you backslide, you don't ever backslide alone. Now, moms and dads, uh, be careful in your home because there are, are little ones who are following in your footsteps. And uh, no one ever gets out of fellowship with God without influencing other people in their circle of influence. Your friends, your family members, people who know you, people who look up to you, observe uh, your uh, life. And uh, so we never go away from God alone. Uh, Anytime we take a detour, we're also risking the very lives of other people who will follow our example. So Peter said, I'm going fishing. The other disciples said, we're coming with you. And there were seven of them in all. But that night they caught nothing except Jesus came and he intervened. And oh, what a difference Jesus makes whenever he is present. And when Jesus came, he said, cast the net on the other side. And when doing so, they caught 153 large fish. Now, I don't know exactly how big these fish were, but I ran into a guy the other day who was fishing. He said, man, I caught a fish so big, the pitcher weighed five pounds. Amen. And so when uh, they were fishing, they caught 153 large fish, and yet the net was not torn. It was such a catch that they were unable to haul this load of fish even uh, to the boat. But uh, you remember uh, that Jesus, when calling these men, uh, he called them to be fishers of men. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, tells us about the calling of these disciples. And there uh, they left their nets, they left their boats, they left their career, they left their family, they left everything. The Bible says in Luke 5, they forsook all, Jesus said, Follow me, I'm going to make you to be fishers of men. And uh, so they uh, were, I believe, reminded here on this particular day, as they were out there fishing, as Jesus comes to them in his uh, uh, resurrection appearance, he comes to remind them of their mission, of their calling to obey him, to follow him, and to catch men, to catch souls, to lead men and women and boys and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he uh, used a word here in verse, uh, I, I believe uh, in verse number 6, it says they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. That's the same word that Jesus used in John twelve thirty two when he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so I believe there's a lesson here. There was a big catch of fish, I believe, to illustrate to these disciples of their initial calling to be fishers of men. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to join Him in the mission of of catching people, drawing people to Christ, drawing people to the gospel, 
and leading people to an experience to where they know Christ as personal Lord and Savior. I heard about this old boy went fishing and he was very successful. Every time he would go out on the lake, he would come back to the, the boat dock and he would always have his limit of fish. And so everybody's uh, curiosity was aroused. Finally, the local game warden said, uh, said uh, to him, he said, uh, Sir, would you mind if I just go fishing with you? And so he said, Absolutely. So he took him out on his boat, and they went out on the lake, and they pulled up to this spot, and then the guy just opens his tackle box, and he pulls out a stick of dynamite. And he lights that stick of dynamite, and he throws it over into the lake, and then, boom, it goes off, and then all these fish start floating up. And the guy just takes his net, and he just starts scooping them in the boat. And the game warden, man, he was just, uh, he was flabbergasted. He said, man, he said, uh, don't you know this is illegal? He said, you can go to jail. You can lose your boat. You can lose your fishing license. You can lose your privileges. You are in a lot of trouble. And about that time, the guy got another stick of dynamite. He lit it. He handed it to the game warden. He said, buddy, you going to fish or talk? Amen. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about fishing for souls. A lot of people talk about evangelism. A lot of people talk about witnessing to the lost. But I think that it's time that we, uh, we get busy fishing, folks. I believe it's time that we go after souls. And so Jesus reminds these disciples here that uh, their mission is to join him in fishing for people, fishing for souls, fishing to win men and women and boys and girls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there was a big catch. Secondly, not only a big catch, but there's also a big invitation. Jesus invited the disciples to join him for breakfast. He invited them. He had a charcoal fire. Last time we see the word charcoal, was over in John 18, whenever the Apostle Peter had denied the Lord, he was out there, you know, uh, when Jesus was arrested, and he was around this charcoal fire. And so this word appears again here, and I think that it's a silent reminder to Peter of what had happened in his denial of Jesus Christ, how he had jumped track, how he had derailed uh, from being faithful to the Lord. And so a charcoal fire, and then there's some uh, fish. We really don't know where the fish came from, but I think this illustrates the fact that Jesus, in the same location, John calls attention two times in this chapter that this took place by the Sea of Tiberias. And the last time John talks about this is whenever Jesus fed the 5,000 miraculously with a few loaves and a few fish. And so he provides fish, and uh, he provides breakfast, and he's there by the fire, and he welcomes these disciples to come and to commune with him, to sit around the fire. Now, they were cold, they were wet, they were tired, they'd been up all night fishing, uh, they, uh, uh, they, they were probably mentally and emotionally drained and, and yet Jesus uh, ministered to them, served them, and he was there caring for their needs around this fire. It reminds me of Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice, I will come in, we'll sup with him, and he with me. Jesus invites us to commune with him, to enjoy his presence, and uh, here is an opportunity for these disciples to sit in his presence, for Jesus to minister to them, and to care for their needs, and to be encouraged by being in the presence of a resurrected Lord. So imagine this, our Lord stooping over this fire, serving these disciples, and caring for them. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God does for us. God ministers to us, God cares for us, God takes care of us, and uh, He is a loving, gentle Savior who ministers to us and meets our needs. I believe that since Jesus is willing to care for the needs of others, then we should be concerned for one another. We ought to pray for one another. We ought to be loving toward others. We, we ought to be willing to care for others because Christ cared for us. I think about in the Bible, Genesis chapter 5, when the Bible talks about that long list of names and then it comes to a guy by the name of Enoch. And it says that Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And so here we read about a man, Enoch, who walks with God and mysteriously, miraculously, he does not die, but God takes him. How do we explain that? Someone told the story about Enoch and they said it was like this. said uh, God and Enoch got up one day and they were walking together hand in hand, heart in heart. And they were just walking through the day, enjoying one another's company. And, and then as the sun began to set and, and the day came to a conclusion, Enoch said, to God, it's getting late. I must be going home. And uh, Enoch went home that night, the next morning early at sunrise. They meet together. They walk together. They talk together. They commune, enjoy one another's company. But this day they go even farther and... As the sun begins to set, Enoch says, God, it's getting late. I must be going home. And that night and the next morning, Enoch awakes and he meets with God at sunrise. And they begin to walk together and talk and fellowship and hand in hand and heart in heart. But this time, they go further than ever before. And at the end of the day, uh, 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 Enoch says, God, it's getting late. I must be going home. And God says, Enoch, we're closer to my house tonight. Just come on home with me. Amen. And so I believe there is an opportunity to meet with the Lord. And he invites these disciples to come and enjoy his presence around the breakfast. And they enjoy fellowship with one another. But then not only does this text remind us of our assignment to join Jesus in the mission and our need to be restored to him, but also here, I believe that he shows us the big question. What is the big question in this text? He says to Peter three times this simple question, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And so three times, perhaps to recall one of each times that Peter had denied our Lord, And uh, this is reminiscent of uh, the Apostle Peter when Jesus had instructed disciples. He was going to 
go to the cross and suffer. And Peter said, Lord, I'll not forsake you. I'll go with you. Uh, If all these other disciples forsake you, Lord, I'll be faithful to you. When everybody turns their back on you, Lord, I'll be there. But uh, Peter was not faithful. Peter relied on himself, and he learned some hard lessons. And I think Jesus is coming here to restore Peter. But it wasn't just Peter who made this claim. Even the other disciples had said very similar things to our Lord uh, when he talked to them about his uh, mission to go to the cross. And so they were all in, in some way guilty of making the same claim. But Peter, who is the leader of the disciples, is the standout here. And Jesus came specifically to restore him because he had denied his Lord vocally, publicly, and uh, he had uh, uh, broken the heart of the Savior. And uh, he was disappointed with with his own reaction to the Lord. Dear friend, I don't know about you, but I can relate to this apostle because as a child of God, even when you try your best, there are days when you aren't faithful to the Lord the way you should be. And I think that all of us understand that we need to be restored to the Lord uh, on a regular basis. And so Peter, uh, Jesus asked this question of Peter, do you love me? Three times, and the first time he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, more than these other disciples. Now, there are three different uh, occasions that Jesus says this. But there's different words for love in the Greek language. Not like the English language where, you know, we can say, I love, uh, I love uh, this time. Somebody said to me, I love this time of year. The other day, or maybe it was last month when we had all those beautiful leaves. And people said, man, I love this time of year. It's a beautiful. It's probably one of the prettiest uh, fall foliage years that I can remember. And, and so... People say, well, I, I love the trees. I love this time of year. And then they turn around and use the same words like to their spouse, I love you, or to their children, I love you. And so we have that one word that we use so often in the English language. But in the Greek language, they had several words that they would use for love. Now, Jesus used the word here. The word agape, which is a word for love that he created a, a new definition of love. He He took love to its highest level. He's talking about a sacrificial love. He's talking about the love of God here, the love of the Savior. He instructed the disciples, uh, No man hath greater love than this, that he be willing to lay down his life for his friends. That's why I respect our veterans. That's why I respect those who serve in the armed forces, because they put their life on the line. Some of them pay the ultimate price, Uh, for our freedom. And we owe a great debt to those who demonstrate such love uh, for us. And uh, Jesus explained that the love of God is such love that he's willing to sacrifice. And that's exactly what Christ did on the cross. He was willing to lay his life down for you and for me to pay the ultimate price to die, to take our place on Calvary and to die for our sins so that we could go free. 
So that we could be set free from the penalty of sin. So that we could be set free from the guilt of sin. So that, so that we could be set free after being enslaved in bondage to sin. Jesus came to set us free. <clears throat> and that's the love that he expressed on Calvary. And so he asked Peter the first time, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agape. Now Peter responds with the word phileo, which is also a word for love. But by now Peter realizes some things about himself. And so he's not willing to use that same love because he remembers how he had failed the Lord. And so I believe in perhaps he was... Uh, uh, humble here, whatever his reason was, but he used the word to affirm Peter certainly did love the Lord. There's no doubt he loved the Lord, but he had, in fact, not demonstrated it when he denied the Lord. And so he says, do you love me Uh, more than these? And Peter says, yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus instructed him, feed my lamb. So he invites Peter back into the mission of spreading the good news uh, of the gospel uh, to his lambs. He's saying, feed my lambs as a demonstration of your love for God. Now, people that love God are going to want to spread the news about Jesus to others. That's our job here on earth. Andrew Murray said it like this. He said there are two kinds of Christians. So winners and backsliders, which one are you? And so Peter affirms his love for the Lord, and Jesus invites him to the mission, feed my lambs. Then he said the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Now notice the second time he does not include that phrase more than these. But he says, Simon, he calls him Simon, by the way, he doesn't call him Peter. And so that's reminiscent of the old Peter, what he used to be before Jesus laid hold of his life. Now, folks, don't ever get over getting saved. Amen? Don't ever forget how lost you were. Don't ever forget that you were bound for hell before you met Jesus. Don't ever forget what God has done for you by giving His Son on Calvary for you. But He calls Him Simon, reminiscent of the old man. Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Jesus again used the word agape. Peter says unto Him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And this time Jesus said, feed my sheep. The first time, my lambs. That's the little ones. This time, my sheep. That's the the adult ones. And so He's telling Him to respond Uh, in love to Jesus by uh, not giving up on the mission. Don't go back to the career of fishermen. You remember what you were, Peter, before I saved you? You were a fisherman. I found you down there with those boats and those nets, but I called you, and I have changed your life, and I have given you a mission. Don't go back to what you used to be. Don't go back to that place. But Peter, rejoin me in this mission and feed my sheep. And so now verse 17, the third time he says unto him, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me. Now this time Jesus does not use the word agape. He uses the word Peter was using, the word phileo. And uh, now Peter was grieved. Why was he grieved? Because three times he had denied the Lord. Now three times Jesus had said unto him, do you love me? And uh, He was grieved. He was grieved. 
And dear friend, we got to be willing to weep over our sin. We got to understand the seriousness of our failures. We've got to uh, be willing to uh, bring our grief to the Lord and allow Him to restore us to fellowship with Himself. Peter was grieved and he said, uh, Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Peter acknowledged, Jesus, you are omniscient. You know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said this time, Feed my sheep. And so Peter was called by God to feed the Lord's sheep, to share the gospel, to tell others about Christ, what God had done for him. And folks, you cannot take people where you've never been. But if you've met Jesus and you know the Lord and you've been changed by the gospel, then you ought to tell others about what God has done. Has he been good to you? Then let others know what Christ has done in your life. And so Peter, I believe, was instructed here and reaffirmed by the Lord, restored and uh, returned to the mission that God had called him to. So folks, when you get derailed, when, when you jump track, a child of God, then let Jesus get you back lined up where you need to be. Amen? And uh, that's what we need in our lives is an experience with Jesus to where we stay on assignment with him. Now verse 18 is affirming to Peter that ultimately he's going to pay the ultimate price. Verse 18 predicts Peter's death. He signifies that he's going to give his life for God. It may be an indication of how he's going to die. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the same way our Lord was crucified. So Peter would eventually give his life but this time not leaning on his old flesh like he had done the first time and failed miserably, but this time relying on the power of God, the Apostle Peter would demonstrate his love for the Savior by giving his life for the Lord. Now what's the last thing Peter hears from the Lord as far as this assignment? He said, verse 19, he signified by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me, follow me. So, dear friend, the biggest catch that was made on this day was not the 153 large fish. But the biggest catch made this day was the catch Jesus made when he won his disciples back and got them back where they should be. Amen? And dear friend, when you land someone like this, when you restore a brother or sister in Christ, you've caught a big fish. When you bring a soul to God and introduce them to Jesus, now you can't win a soul. It's a little misleading when we talk about winning souls because you never saved anybody. Randy McFerrin has never saved anybody. In fact, I can't even save myself. But dear friend, Jesus can save people. And Jesus Christ, I believe, we, our job is to introduce others to Him. Do y'all remember the story of Jonah? Remember the little book of Jonah, four chapters in Jonah? Now, it's marvelous because most of the time, 
We read stories about men catching fish. But in Jonah, we read about a fish catching a man. And in Jonah, God, I, I, I believe, restores Jonah. When Jonah was running from God, running from the call of God upon his life, and God invites Jonah back to fellowship with himself. Now he has to go through some things, and so did the Apostle Peter. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you're willing to do and, and uh, get right with the Lord. But here was Jonah who was restored to fellowship with God, and then he was reaffirmed in the mission. He went to Nineveh and preached the greatest recorded revival in all human history. Uh, the entire, the, you know, just about everybody got saved in Nineveh. The, the greatest re- documented revival that's ever taken place took place because God restored Jonah. And think of how God used Peter. After he was restored, he would become the powerful preacher on the day of Pentecost who would see 3,000 souls get saved. And so I believe that it's important that we allow the Lord to renew us and reinvigorate us in our walk with Christ so that we may be used by the Lord. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite um, preachers and Bible scholars, and he always would say this. He'd say, you know, we pray for God to use us when we ought to pray God make us usable. And I think that before God would use Peter, he had to become usable. And my question is, child of God, are you usable? Are you walking with Christ in fellowship and step with Him? Or maybe you've been spiritually derailed. And dear friend, today God wants to get you back on track. Rejoin Him in the mission of winning others, bringing others to Jesus so that the world may know. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we're so thankful to be here this morning in this place of worship. And we pray now over this time of invitation, if there's a Christian here today who's gotten off track, Father, will you restore that one? Lord, if there's a person here who has never called on the name of Jesus, I pray that today he or she will give their life to the Lord and come and be saved. Lord, will you bless this invitation now? Will you have your way in our hearts and our lives? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us this morning?